Hail and welcome to 4th of July weekend. We're taking this week off so we can enjoy the sun, our family, and some good old barbecue. But while we're gone, I thought what well, the best move is to post some of the greatest hits from our other shows on this network onto the Geek Freaks feed so you guys can check them out. If you find a new podcast you want to listen to, all the links will be in the description. Our first show we're spotlighting is Challenge Accepted. Definitely you'll be hearing my voice as I am one of the two co-hosts for this podcast along with Thomas. We go over some of our favorite movies and TV shows, challenging each other back and forth on what we should be watching. We also react to the latest episodes from Marvel, Star Wars, or even the latest hits in the movie theaters. The episode you're about to listen to now and our top listen for Challenge Accepted is Hook. Yes, the 90s classic by Steven Spielberg. When we started this podcast, I knew that very quickly I was going to be busting out Hook on him. And it has been the episode that people have come up to us and said like, oh yeah, I love the Hook episode, blah, blah, blah. Because it's so childhood friendly, right? Gotta love that good old nostalgia. So without further ado, here is Challenge Accepted episode, Hook. What's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas, and I'm here with Frank. Hey, y'all. And you are here for Challenge Accepted, a podcast where every week, two friends get together to challenge each other back and forth on movies, shows, video games, comics, and so on. And this week, we have a very special movie that I'm so happy Frank challenged me to, which was Hook. Yeah, this is a classic. I mean, if you're a 90s kid, you love Hook, or you at least watched it a lot. I've noticed from the reviews, maybe you don't love it <laughs> as much as I do. I... I this is probably one of my top five movies of my life, you know, uh, and as a kid was probably my favorite movie. It is so good and it still is that good, I think. Yeah, I can, I can kind of tell from this, too, because you're like, you know what? We got to do Hook. We got to do Hook. I'm like, all right, I think there's a certain affinity Frank has for this movie <laughs> and I can feel it and I love it. Like, this is great. I'm so happy that we're kind of kicking it off after Seinfeld. So this movie. Uh, yeah, Frank, why don't you just give us a little bit of a rundown? You know, are we going to do the two minute? Oh, we're doing the two minutes. I got the oh, timer. Got the yes. I love this part. All Stand right. To the hourglass. So I'll give you the three, two, one, and then you can kick it off on the okay. full breakdown and review of Hook. Three, okay. two, one, go. Starts off with an old man played by Robin Williams, Peter Banning. He's a lawyer and a jerk uh, who doesn't go to his kids games. <laughs> so eventually he has to go to London to see his grandma's uh, charity benefit thing. She's being honored for being awesome. Uh, they're there. Everything's going well. But, oh, there's some green smoke coming in and kidnaps the kids. There's a dagger in the door that says, yo, I got your kids. So Peter, <laughs> sorry, Peter Banning is like, oh, dang, what do we got to do? Let's call the cops. Meanwhile, his grandma's like, you are Peter Pan. You got to go to Neverland. He's like, OK, you're drunk. And so then Wendy shows up. Not Wendy. Tinkerbell shows up, played by Julia Roberts, which, oh, man, apparently she's a wow. on set. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Julia Roberts is like, you got to believe. Clap, clap, clap. And then they fly off to, to Neverland. While there, two things happen. Justin Hoffman plays the hook, and he's a freaking badass. Second thing, Check. Peter Banning learns to become Peter Panning once again. He gets his memory back. One thing that we learn is that Neverland makes you forget, and that happens to a lot of people. Peter Pan's big thing is to become Peter Panning again so he can fight Hook. He has three days to do so, then he can get his kids back if he wins the duel. Meanwhile, Peter Pan, or sorry, Captain Hook is like, I'm going to make his kids fall in love with me, so it stings even harder when they say, nope, I'm sticking with Hook. And the two are off on their adventure, and it's really cool back and forth that I really love. Finally, ends off in a battle that is so dope and feels like it's a big stage play, I realized, watching it this time around. And 
uh, we have some amazing characters that make an appearance here and there. It ends off with Peter Pan doing Peter Pan things um, and then saving the day and going back to being Peter Panning, but a better version of him than he has ever been before. I've got a little more time, so I will give a shout out to Dante Brosco, who plays Rufio. He's also Prince Zuko. That dude oh, yeah. is a beast, and it makes me want to be a cool kid. Like I, wa- like I always wanted to be in the 90s. Like, oh, man, I want to be cool like Rufio. And uh, that's still true today. I still want to be Dante Brosco, and that's it. <laughs> Bravo. Nicely done, man. Wow. And you've been throwing some jokes in there, too. Like putting me to shame from last week. That was so damn good. And yeah, who did not want to be Rufio in the 90s? Yeah, he's so freaking cool. So cool. The triple mohawk. I mean, that is sick. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. Wow. You did a great job. uh, Rewatching this. I forgot how much you don't like uh, Robin Williams in the beginning of this movie. I, which is hard because how do you not like Robin Williams? <laughs> exactly. I know there's like, this was one of the only movies I can remember where I didn't like him immediately. And yeah. which is kind of cool. It's a testament to his acting ability. You know, I don't think anybody would think that he wasn't a serious or great actor, you know, Goodwill Hunting. And uh, what is the one where he's a clown? I forgot what the name Hatch is Adams. of it. Hatch Adams. Exactly. Like he has this range, but you forget that he's kind of this you know, scummy business guy in the beginning. And yeah, it, it's, it's good in a way. Like it perfectly sets up the arc for this movie. Yeah. I loved it. It has a wonderful cast and we'll talk about all of them, of course, but I do think it's important that we talk about Robin Williams first. Cause of course we lost him actually a while ago now. It's unbelievable. So crazy. Um, and um, I mean, he was like an icon of my childhood. Oh, yeah. I, I know but probably for yours as well. Not only did he play genie, but he also played so many other characters mm-hmm. and he, was never repeated there's nobody who could be robin williams again and so um like if you think of today you're like oh yeah the rock's really cool or you know this person that person's really cool but nobody right. is like as straight up captivating i think as robin williams is you know a hundred percent yeah I, I agree with you on so many levels the only one for me would be jim carrey and we are so fortunate yeah. he's still around but yeah robin williams i think it just yeah it, i don't you know in a sad way it might add to his legacy that he's he's gone too soon Right. And, and I agree with so. you as a 90s kid. How could you not love Robin Williams? Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, the genie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, this movie hook. And yeah, he starts off in that area of like, yeah, he's not a very good dad. He's he's just kind of a jerk. He's neglects his family. And, you know, he plays this attorney and you can tell that there's love for his kids. But business comes first. Yeah. And right when they come back from that benefit for Wendy. You know, you can see it's like the first part of the movie where you actually see he cares about the kids. Yeah. Right. They come back to the house. And I love that little detail when they come back to the house. The door is I don't know if it's open already. It might be a jar, but they come in through the door and you can see the scratches through the wall. Yeah. Of Hook, which, which by is the way, clearly like Hook was just like dragging his hook along just to show Pan I was here. Yes, exactly. But the th- interesting thing, and this is maybe a little weird tidbit from me or maybe a weird detailing. But it's on the scratches are on the right side of the wall. Hook's mm-hmm. hook is on his left side. So he yeah. literally had to stretch across his body and drag it up the wall to go get those kids. Or he walked downstairs. Or he walked downstairs. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. <laughs> That's the a top, good point. The top opens. We see that the latch on the top opens when the kids are upstairs. Yeah. But the front door's broken, so they must have gone out the front door. You think that's probably true. That's true. I always thought of them like busting out the window because the dad was always like, you don't want to leave the window open. 
and so and when they, they come can fly because they're going to Neverland. That's true, but I also thought like because I think in the original cartoon the ship flew at some point, or there was a cartoon yeah. where the ship flew, right? In the in the original cartoon, the ship flew, but we have to remember this is not at all touching Disney. That's true. Which is super hard, especially as a kid when you're watching this. Yes. Remember that this is not the Disney Peter Pan. No, you're so right. And I didn't even think about that as a kid. I just associated both of them together. Like, I thought right. this was a spinoff. I thought that Peter Pan was this guy now grown up. Yeah. You know, um, but we then get into, you know, they're devastated. They call the police. They can't help them. You know, where are the kids? Right. And, and, and Wendy knows, like, that the police aren't going to go to Neverland. You're never going to see mm-hmm. these kids again if unless you go. Yeah, and, you're never gonna see the kids again. Like what you did right. there. <laughs> well, what I like here too is the reveal to Peter Banning. Like, hey, you are Peter Pan. What do you think about this? Because I don't think this movie could be made today in this way. We're too self-aware. We're, we always break our own um, storylines, and I mm-hmm. think they would do some sort of meta thing. And this was kind of meta, but really it just fit into the story. The fact that what the idea is, Wendy came back with all these stories from Neverland, Neverland, like they're true. And right. then uh, Barry, I can't remember his full name, J.M. Barry, I think, uh, wrote the story, their neighbor, wrote the stories down and made the book based off them, which that part is real. That part oh, happened wow. in real life. Yeah. I didn't they, know that. Yeah, J.M. Barry wrote the Peter Pan stories based off of his neighbor's kids. It was real weird, actually. A little but, creepy. But, uh, it, 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 yeah. A little creepy. <laughs> don't, don't, don't dig too deep into it, guys. It's a little awkward. Um, but nevertheless, <laughs> so the stories are actually based off the neighbor's kids. So they, but in this movie, they're saying that, well, they had the real adventures, came back and told J.M. Barry about it, and he wrote the stories down. Because if you'll know, oh. they even talk about, like, oh, this could be a hoax because of the family's literary past. Everybody knows that this is the Peter Pan family. Mm-hmm. And in the stories, Peter Pan's the only character that's not, like, the Lost Boys like that are all real. They're the kids. Well, not the Lost Boys, but the family that moved off. Right. I mean, you also notice they have a statue in, in the courtyard that's Peter Pan. And oh, the is that decorations the one where he are falls asleep under it. Yeah. And okay. then like the, gotcha. the decoration on the latch is obviously a hook. It's Captain Hook's hook. Yeah. They have the, the wallpaper is all ships and Captain Hook scenes and stuff like that. Because outside of the fact that they're just obviously Peter Pan fans, but the family is wealthy because of Peter Pan. Right. Because uh, of J.M. Barry. Yeah. Oh, wow, man. That's pretty amazing. That detail right there, because I thought this was just purely out of someone's imagination. Like, what if Peter Pan grew up and forgot, you know, and hearing yeah. that too, to like there's that just adds another layer to how awesome this movie already is. Like yes, that, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and then we he gets to go to Neverland. He, you know, Tinkerbell comes in and I completely forgot it was Julia Roberts. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, how did I forget that think, detail? How do you think Julia Roberts did as Tinkerbell? I loved it. Loved, loved it. it. I think I loved it as a kid, but as an adult, that's the one casting I probably would change. Really? Who would you change yeah. it to? Well, I think it's because Julia Roberts is such a stellar actor outside of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Aaron Brockovich and all kinds of multiple things she's done. Right. It's really cool. So seeing her here, she's I'm like, this is almost too silly for her. I don't I, know. It's really tough for me because it's this is a stellar cast through and through. You're right. Yeah, totally. I think that I like it because of that, because she okay. plays all these really serious and amazing roles and she does it so convincingly that this time getting to see her be the silly one along with robin williams and almost lead the fantasy and the silliness is like it was kind of a nice vacation seeing her play this different role it's like you know uh i I don't know i'm trying to think of a time idris elba was it super serious but like when he gets to 
joke around or when Hugh Grant gets to be a silly character because he's an amazing yeah. actor. It's kind of like, ooh, this is nice. Like I like, and they pull it off. I, I think she pulled it off for me. Idris Elba on SNL is a lot of fun. Oh, when that's he used to one. just have fun, he's very good on SNL. I, you know, yeah. I think we both watch SNL enough. I definitely watch it a lot too. There's so many times you're like Charles Barkley. He's just a basketball guy, right? No, he's damn funny. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get him on SNL and he's Man, cracking his me delivery. Up. I for sure. A little shout out too. If you have not watched the Aubrey Plaza SNL episode, fire. Yeah. It was one she of the funniest it, episodes I've seen in a long time. I was like, yeah. damn, she's good. And so Google funny. just throwing out one more too. Donald Glover. If you guys love Donald Glover, like the rest of us. His SNL, he he actually tried to be on the cast and they denied him for some effing reason. That's crazy. Wow. And then when it. you see, when he guest stars, you're like, he is out doing some of the cast members right now. Keenan breaks because of how good he's doing. <laughs> Keenan doesn't break very well. So that's, that's, that's crazy. Okay, back on subject. Okay. Yeah, back on track. But uh, yeah, we get to see, you know, we're brought to the fantasy world and I just love yeah. them flying through. You know, it's the only thing where I feel like it doesn't hold up Still, I guess to, to this day is the special effects, but it, you know, yeah. that is, that is not even a big thing. Like it, it still looks incredible. I think, man, for this time, this had to be mind blowing and uh, you get to Definitely. fly over the Island. And one of the details I love so much is you get to see that nautical the, map, the compass the, rose, the compass, yeah, yeah the compass rose. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it's built into the scenery of, of the set. Like it's so cool. Which adds like this element of just like, fantasy magical but possibly realism like oh right. they're on the part of the map we don't look at you know what i'm saying like maybe that's right what, because in the books neverland is a real place you could actually sail to and ah. and so like the ageless thing and stuff like it like there's actually like natives there and stuff like that this is all a real place yeah and um the idea that this kind of almost leans like it's a real place it's just you don't see it because it's like tucked away behind the, the compass rose on mm-hmm. the map something like that it just feels kind of cool like oh you know something you can believe in still and yeah. I also want to, and for the special effects, I mean, this is so Amble and it's so Steven Spielberg where sure there's some light CGI, but he tries to avoid it at all costs. Right. And a lot of these special effects are just natural special effects. Like this was very early CGI as well, but yes, they're just natural special effects where like, Hey, when I need to make a giant dinosaur for T for Jurassic Park, I'm going to make a giant T-Rex. <laughs> you know, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, wait, are a lot you of the saying scenes. the crocodile was real in this movie? That crocodile is real, and I have so many questions about him at the end of this, by the way. But okay, okay, we'll yeah, that crocodile is a gigantic. And nowadays, they would have just CGI'd it, right? They wouldn't have made that crocodile. There's no way, right? It would have been too expensive. Sorry, well, I'm gonna like step back just a little bit because also I'm thinking back to when we meet Tinkerbell, and I loved the CGI where she's standing next to the dolls, like she's standing next to the Barbies, and it looks really good actually. Like that, that's a she's on green screen a lot, but mm-hmm. she, which is part of the problem with with Julie Roberts on this. Let me just get this out of the way real quick. I mentioned it before. Julia Roberts, they called her Tinker Hell as a a nickname. And a lot of that was because she was a bit grumpy. And that's because (laughs) she filmed almost all of her scenes with nobody else. She was on green screen for almost all of them. So Mm -hmm. she felt isolated from this big project. And, you know, Steven Spielberg's throwing the cash at this thing. It's this huge, big deal. And here, Julia Roberts is on some random soundstage in front of a green screen. And so she felt like she was just being disconnected. Yeah, and, it's yeah. she would have a hell of a time in an MCU movie these days, or yeah. we probably wouldn't see her in Avatar three. <laughs> based on that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Avatar that makes sense. Too. Yeah, it totally does. I thought that actually still looked really, really good, and it was cool. And and just the scale, like seeing her next to the dolls, I was like, yeah. that's pretty badass. Still, like that, it looks great. Reminds me, but of, like, I think even that shot cupboard. is like 
like real dolls and stuff like that and they just green screened it instead of like nowadays right. when they would have done like probably like the mandalorian use stagecraft mm-hmm. or something like that you know right like the volume yeah that's kind of what i was getting at with what you were mm-hmm. saying it's like they were real probably and she's still you know, you know there's green screen elements but those dolls looked real next to her which yeah. is so so cool so we get uh you know peter gets whisked away to neverland and the kids are now captured you know and he we've already seen that he doesn't like to fly he all he has to do is go up on the mask and reach out and save the kids and he won't do it like he's too afraid of heights this entire scene is so captivating the Mm -hmm. from the second like like if you think about it this entire time we're just now being introduced to this new world and then we get onto this captain ship and that entire that entire set is built like the entire town right and the ship is built none of that is cgi it's built I know you you just touched on like my side notes for this are set was amazing costumes were amazing props yeah. were all amazing so amazing. yeah you touch it because it does it, it looks fantastic and that whole city they built for this already you're like wow I'm in this I'm in this pirate of the you know maybe not Caribbean it feels like but a Disneyland set it feels like yes. you go to Disneyland and visit yeah hundred percent yeah and totally. it probably costs as much <laughs> but I love how we're introduced to it so we're first introduced to it with uh, Peter. Walking mm-hmm. through, and he, I like that little bit where he's trying to pretend to be a pirate. And we follow oh, yeah. Smee turn carrying your left, the- turn your foot, hunt your yeah. shoulder, grab the cane, Drew. cock your eye, yeah, drool a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> totally Robin Williams. And I love that part. Where he's like, Arr! the guy's like, all right, how about you? How could you? It's like, just- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that little exchange oh, there, man. so good. Robin Williams is such a G. So then we got Smee walking through with a pillow. So we're actually like being shown the entire set slowly. Right. And then he gets up to the top, and he does it like hype man. For some reason, we have light or like sparks when he's putting the hook on the hook, which yeah. is just an artistic move. That doesn't make much sense to happen. And they do it later on, too. Like, it doesn't make any sense for that to be a thing. But nice. they do it. Good catch. And, good catch. Yeah. And then he does like this hype man thing of like, here's Hook. And Captain Hook to me, this Captain Hook is one of my all time favorite characters. I actually was him for Halloween one year as a kid. Right. And on. I just loved him. But he does a hype man. And then here comes Dustin Hoffman being the best damn Captain Hook ever captured on screen. Go get him, Captain. Well, my stupid, sorry, parasitic sacks of entrails. <laughs> Revenge is mine. Long live the hook! I baited that hook, and now I'm very proud to announce we have his children. I mean, this whole freaking scene, you're like at the edge of your seat, right? You're like, oh my God, what is this world? And I just think, mm-hmm. it's the acting, it's everything, carrying it through. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. It's, it sucks you in right away. You're like, this yeah. world is fantastic. It's crazy. And you're right. I, I had to tell my wife halfway through, I was like, hey, by the way, that's Dustin Hoffman. And she was like, what? That's yeah. Dustin Hoffman? I'm like, yeah, he's that good, right? No, her mind was blown. Uh, but yeah, we're we're brought into this world. I think what Glenn Close was the one they put yeah. into the boo box, too. Yeah. So right off the right out of the gate, you know he's a badass. He's tossing people in boxes with scorpions, and Robin Williams already is like, "What is going on?" Terrified, can't go get his kids. And then from there, he's he's spotted, he's outed, and then they toss him overboard, basically handcuffed. And then three to me, very hot mermaids, uh, French him so that he can breathe. So and out then, of place. Like, that's one of the few scenes right? that I'm just like, why is this in this movie? Why? It doesn't make any sense. 
totally. Why does this exist? Like, why are they here? I don't know. But as a kid, I'm like, I think I'm getting horny. I don't know. So it was a, so it was what is a little, this, mom? Yeah, it blew my mind. Uh, but um, from there, we then. Well, real quick, I do want to make sure to mention. I want to make sure that, that we put the clock on things now because you know, a lot of yes. good movies like to put a clock on things. Hook gives Pan three days. And the reason he's doing this is basically he needs entertainment. He's immortal. And right. we're kind of seeing, we're going to see depression depicted on screen here pretty soon, which, you know, going yeah. back to John uh, Robin Williams, even on that. Right. Um, and, and he's, he's, he's depressed and he needs something to just give something. He's always talking about good form and adventure. Right. And so he's going to give him three days cause he wants him to be a challenge. And he's, you know, that's, that's the idea. But even when he's gone, he's just like, this is all for nothing. And we're going to talk about that later on, of course. But right. I think that's important to remember is that, Robin Williams, Peter Banning, needs to become Peter Pan the Fighter in three days. And Good then, yeah, boy. so he meets the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just like we were introduced to this amazing, you know, hook set, we're right. now meeting a whole new set that is the Lost Boys sets. And when you look at the complaints, we're going to do shitty reviews on this, on this later on. Um, one of the consistent things that people didn't like was how these Lost Boys are supposed to be timeless and straight up look like 90s kids. And I yeah. didn't think about that. I think that's because I was one. <laughs> so, oh, you know. That's interesting. I, you know, yeah, again, we're going to go into it. I don't agree with it because it felt like these kids were wearing whatever they could wear at the time they stopped aging. And that yeah, the time they were everything up, yeah. else was so imaginative. Like the, you know, the swings, the basketball hoop under the skate ramp and, you know, the coconut helmets and the the little bamboo armor, whatever, all that stuff to me felt so in, inviting and like, it just captivated me and I believed it right away. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, how could you not like that? Well, and to me, I always thought like these kids are picked up at different times. So like right. you have Thud, for example, that's wearing like a very, I don't know, forties sailor outfit. You right. had the, the two um, boy scouts that look like they're maybe fifties. Then you right. have a lot of nineties stuff. Sure. But there's kids that were picked up in the nineties that are like, Hey, by the way, we're playing basketball now. And the, and, other world right um, you have the old teddy bear that's right from 1919 or 1910 mm-hmm. area so like i think there's things from everywhere but the people who review this movie badly they consistently complain that like it's too much 90s stuff mm. maybe but yeah. i also think like rufio using that badass skateboard with a sail on it is freaking cool <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not hating on that i want one <laughs> you know? yeah i think yeah. you you hit the nail on the head like that was such a good detail and you're right like that's the way I've always viewed it. And that's the way I even view it now. It's like these kids were picked up at different times or brought here at different times in history and now are encapsulated in this timeless area. So yeah, absolutely. And that's say, yeah, sail skateboards all day. That was super cool. Why is it not a thing? Why did we not get those IRL? Cause I I, I I would have tried. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It also would have taught me about sailing. So that would have been perfect. Yeah, and I yeah. probably should have had the try mohawk. Now I'm thinking about it because that thing was pretty dope. Hey, it's not too late, buddy. It's not too <laughs> oh, late. Oh, there we go. Oh man, <laughs> that's a new challenge. Oh uh, shoot, that is a good challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's yeah. see. So we are now with we are brought to Peter Pan, introduced to this world, and they're yeah. like, "You can't fly, you can't fight, you can't crow." And Rufio's yeah. calling him out, and. Tinkerbell is now telling Rufio, like, you have to train him. Like, he has three yeah. days before he has to fight Hook. Like, we, have, we, we need to get him into shape. We have the line drawn and, and, and right. it's physically drawn, right? So we, got, we go from these kids shouting Rufio to that. Um, mm-hmm. and then, With the badass gold sword, by the way. 
That sword is dope, actually. Ooh, Bad that's a good prop ass. to collect someday, actually, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> and nobody crosses, but this one little kid does cross, and he's feeling Robin Williams' face, Peter Pan's face, and then he says, oh, there you are, Peter. And I, as a kid, he says, yeah, he says, oh, there you are, Peter. There I always thought are. that this kid represents, like, an oracle. Like, maybe he is somebody who... Yeah. You know, maybe not a future teller, but he he has wiser... So he might be one of the first kids there. I was like, yeah. this little kid will maybe have been like captured first or something like that. Ooh, I like he that theory. Knows, he's like the wise man of yeah. the group, right? And I just love that. And then when people see that, oh, the Oracle maybe mm-hmm. recognizes Peter, then we have something going and a couple more follow him. That's so, I liked that, that. yeah, that's, man, what a great fan fiction theory there. I love, I love that. Because <laughs> I just like that kid just represented being a kid and seeing hope and seeing joy in somebody and just the way he plays that scene and looks into Robin Williams face and just sees like he's still in there. The boy, you know, our pan is still in there. That, that kid is still inside of him. Oh my God. I love that. I loved it so much. Yeah. So that was really, really great. And I think that's where people like, that's the initial start to where we see Peter Banning become Peter Pan again. Right. And yeah, from there, what other training do they have going on? I'm trying to think well, of some of so the big training that we see. For the movie-wise, I think I think we'll have to do it different. But in the movie-wise, they jump between Peter Pan and Hook doing two different objectives. Right. So just to kind of summarize it, but then we'll break it down a little bit more. Peter Pan is now going to do the Rocky montage of becoming Peter Pan. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hook, I want to talk about that now. Let's talk about it right now, actually, because... Um, from that scene, we do actually go see Hook, and he's in his room, and this is where I think I was introduced to what depression looks like. Hook oh. definitely, like, he has the world in his hands. He has literal immortality, what everybody else would kill for, uh, right. and, and he has it. And, of course, he's the richest man. There's no doubt he's the richest man out there. And mm-hmm. yet, he still finds nothing and no joy in life. And thank God for Smee to kind of keep him, you know, chugging along, but without yeah. it, there's some theatrics, right, from Hook's side. He's kind of... <laughs> playing it up a little he's, bit he's definitely the, playing it up like you know me, no stopping me this time don't stop me don't stop me try to stop me what are you doing stop me yeah beautiful um, line yeah so good uh yeah you're so right and i didn't i don't think i could grasp that as a kid you're right and now you i think you can understand a little bit it's like okay if you could truly live forever would yeah. you like initially you're like yeah a hundred percent but as time goes on and all of a sudden your friends start passing away or things don't change or you do the things same thing every single day. And you have done everything. I done mean, think everything. about it. He, I, later on, I know he burnt Peter Pan's home. So that right. means that he can freely attack and destroy the Lost Boys. If he's able Anytime. to burn out Peter Pan's home of all of them, he's able right. to get into that place all he wants. I mean, they see each other when they sleep at night. Mm. And he keeps them alive because he's like, I got to have something to attack. And even mm-hmm. when Smee, which, by the way, I didn't realize that they were referenced in this movie, but they are definitely part of the story. Smee references like, oh, let's go kill some more Indians, which I know is not necessarily PC anymore. But um, and he's like, oh, we kill them every day. And it's like, think of how bored you must be when you're killing other immortal creatures every single day. Right. And it's just, yeah, you so, yeah, it's it's definitely depression. And um, definitely some westworld like action yeah. there <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah yeah i agree but so. then it's me that comes up with this master plan and i uh, that's another thing i just realized watching it this time is the fact that i always thought it was hook that it was like oh he's like the best one of the best <laughs> yeah. evil minds it was me that said yeah it was me that said you know we could twist this dagger if you make it to where the kids are you by your side 
What is that, an apostrophe? I think you mean an epiphany. Lightning has just struck my brain. Well, that must hurt. Man's kids. About them. You could make them like you. No, <laughs> say what? No, 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 we could make the little buggers love you. No, Smith. No little children love me. Captain, that is the point. What do you mean? That is the ultimate revenge. What is? Because everybody knows that Neverland makes you forget. So if you start to implant your own memories into somebody, mm -hmm. it'll replace the ones that Neverland is trying to make you forget. And yeah, the Smee's master plan is try to convince both the daughter and son that you are the real father or that you are the better person to be. So when Peter Pan does come right. in three days, they're by your side and not wanting to join him. And that will screw Peter Pan up. And it's just yeah. like super evil move, man. It's so crazy. It, it is. Wow. And you're right. You're totally right that Smee was the one that thought it up. I, for some reason, yeah, I I didn't catch that detail. But you're right. It makes so much sense. And it probably even makes more sense when we see him later on when Peter wakes up from coming back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but we'll get into that. Uh, uh, from there, we go into, was it the insult battle? So let's yeah, like... let's just stick with let's just stick with no, not yet because the meal's its own thing. We got to talk about okay, that. Okay, okay, so. because I really want to talk about it. it's yeah. my one of my favorite scenes in all so, of the movie. Just on the Lost Boy side, let's focus on that side. Uh, yeah, they have their they have this montage where they're slowly getting better. And I think they should do like a Lost Boys CrossFit. I would totally go to that where you have to like run through a snowy thing and people are throwing snowballs at you and stuff. And let's go, like, yeah, Lost Boys uh, workout, <laughs> play basketball on a on a skate park somehow like yeah, it seems yeah, so yeah. complicated like that ball's going like, everywhere totally crossfitters out there like yeah lost boys wad tomorrow let's do it yeah They're like skating <laughs> so jumping fun. off yeah it sounds <laughs> fun actually i'd probably work out oh man uh but then eventually we go to the meal you want to describe this meal because it's it's an epic scene it is so great yeah they're they're all sitting down to eat and right off the bat one of my favorite parts and even to this day when someone's like okay let's say grace before you eat you know i just want to be like grace and then just start digging in but um you know say they say grace and all the kids are just diving in just reaching full handful scoops out of the bowl slapping things around like one kid's like pretending to nibble on corn and then spitting out the kernels it's just yeah. like so good and ron williams is looking around he's like what is going on there's and nothing he here yeah, he's like, I would like some real food. I'm freaking hungry. Like, let's do this. And they're like, you have to imagine. You have to imagine. And I'm trying to think about the part where it actually flips to him, where he actually does remember. So he remembers. Or, so so he starts imagining when they start doing the rap battle, basically, right? Where it's oh, insult right. battle. Dude, yeah. it was the original rap battle. I mean, that was before 8 Mile for me. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I was like, this is and insane. I like it way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, as a kid, I was so into him. I was like, hopefully no one ever calls me out in an insult battle because I'll lose. I'll just, I'll stop. <laughs> I'll cry right there. It's going to just, it'll destroy me. So, if anybody started busting out some of Rufio's lines, though, I'd back away. I'm like, no, you got this, man. You just won. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. I was so intimidated <laughs> by that. But yeah, they started doing the rap battle. And Rod Williams starts turning around and actually like like spitting some things back, right? And and we're watching while they're doing this battle. The, the key thing to remember is that Rufio is just annihilating it. He has mm -hmm. these complex words, and I, one part specifically is like Robin Williams' insults are all real flat, like super sure, dad jokes. Crinkled, wrinkled, fat head. You're a very ill-mannered young man. You're you know a that. Slug and worm. Come on, you can do better than that. Can 
believe you're encouraging me. Yeah, 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 show me your fastball, dust brain. You punchy, sag bottom, puke pot. You are a very poor role model for these kids. Do you know that? I bet you don't even have a fourth grade reading level. Immortal suck navel. Well, maybe a fifth grade reading level. But slowly we start to see Robin Williams change the insults into something more kiddish and faster pace. So he's not totally. thinking about them. He's going quicker. And they're also just like butthead. You know, they're funner. Right, and right. As he's doing that, he's using his dome. imagination more mm-hmm. and started to become much more like the Lost Boys. Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. In your face, camel cake. In your rear, cow derriere. Lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre chewed food, dude. If I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? You You're right. And then all of a sudden, after he wins and everybody's like, bangerang, bangerang, yeah. you then start seeing like the food populate. And I've said this before on the other on the other show, but it's like one meal from fantasy that I would always want Absolutely. is this meal. Because everything pops up, these giant turkey legs and ribs and all these crazy looking fruits and all these super colorful pies. Well, I don't it know what the colorful, so like, there's like good. colorful pies or maybe even mashed potatoes. I don't know what they are, but for some reason, like the green and purple, they all look delicious to me. It was so good. Those vibrant blues and reds and greens and yellows. I was like, yes, I want that. I even want it now. And it's probably so bad for you, but like, I loved loved it. And then it breaks out into an all out food fight, which just looks so fun. Yeah. You know, there was like one food fight in high school that happened and I got the F out of there. Yeah. I was like, I'm for me, it was that camping trip. Like when you go to camp and there's like they have like the big eating lodge. We got in a food fight and we got in so much trouble. But it was like oh, perfect. That's that was perfect. Yeah, there's your um, moment though. And and we also get we get bangerang. By the way, this is one of my favorite things. And was actually I want to still use it on a podcast name at some point. Don't steal it from me, guys. Because bangerang <laughs> is super cool. And I'll talk about the meaning of it in fun facts. But um, mm-hmm. you see them just totally go to full joy. And I think we should actually. I'm proposing something here, guys. Thanksgiving. Let's let's be honest. Boring. Can we change Thanksgiving out for this? Like, I yeah. would so much, like, try to mimic these meals. And then at the end of everything new Thanksgiving or Hook, we'll just call it Hooksgiving, and we just, like, throw <laughs> food at each other. I think that would be way funner than what we currently have going on. Absolutely. Like, you do the bare minimum to cook it, but then you Everybody just comes in sweats and just, yeah, like, yeah. whatever, you know, wear bamboo, guys. You're, you're a proper attire is bamboo. <laughs> yeah, we make everybody wear a coconut helmet. Yes. And we'll be good to go. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm on board with that. that. Let's Let's do it. <laughs> But then there's there's a really sweet moment after, right? And yes. Thud or Peter then goes and talks to Thud, mm-hmm. and they're standing there on that bridge, and they have this like really kind of sweet moment. And I think I'm not exactly sure on the dialogue, but I just know that there's this really amazing connection. And this kid, Thud, I don't know who he is or like what he's doing now in life. So Thud was the friend, was like the best friend of. Uh, I can't remember Toodles. his name, but the Toodles that's back home. Toodles went right. home with Wendy. And, right. and uh, he says, I lost my marbles. And, and literally <laughs> has the marbles, right? Yeah. And, and they <sighs> were good friends. They were old school Lost Boys. These were the Lost, those two, plus like the, the Boy Scouts who've seen them. Those are the Lost Boys that we know from like actual Peter Pan story. All the, right. most of the other ones, Rufio, stuff like that, they all came later on. That's a lot of the reasons why they're 90s kids. Um, mm. Reviewers who are not paying attention <laughs> like there we do. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, those old school ones are still there, and he's one of them. And I just a shout out real quick as a lifelong fat kid, Thud was cool because he was yes, he was you know a fat kid, right? 
But he was not held back by that at all. Sure, they make fun of it. He rolls down the things later on. We get that. But yeah. I liked that he was just a cool kid, too. Like, that didn't have to be his whole identifier. You're um, totally and, right. I, and in I here, he's like the most mature person in the room, too. I, I do like that a lot. Right. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely like a chubby kid growing up, too. And I, I you know, even though they're they're not really teasing him about it, like he uses it and yeah, it's he uses useful. it, but it's not. Yeah, it, it's like a useful thing. Like he completes this part of of the Lost Boys yeah. that he fulfills a role that they can't have without him. And it's like he just he's perfect. And, and it's I, not a whole identity is, either. He's like super exactly. wise. He's he's really you could tell he's Rufio's basically right hand man or at yep. least one of his advisors. Yeah, um, and he's which still just sounds open. cool. <laughs> Rufio's advisor. I want to be that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But he's also like willing to give Peter a chance, and yeah. and he sees kind of the good in him. He's like the second kid that sees the best in Peter. Yeah, he comes over right like, after the Oracle says, "I'm calling him the Oracle," but you guys know what I'm talking about. He comes over. Right. He's the first one over <laughs> right after Oracle says, "Like, yeah, this is Peter." Right, right. So that part's really great. We then, you know, we start seeing this transition where they're getting on Peter's side and we get to the baseball scene, which I love because it's so totally, good. yeah, it's kind of uh, the Three Stooges-esque. Like, yeah. they're all on each other's so- shoulders, these little Especially kids. Especially Smee. The way he's, like, doing this, like, little dance stuff. Like, well, I, I, I mean, you're right. Yeah, the way they're doing the Three Stooges thing is the kids. But I would like to say, like, out in the baseball diamond, they don't know how to play baseball at all. So you get to be, like, doing some, like, <laughs> crazy dances while he's about to throw a ball yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just, the like, so here for step. it. Yeah, yeah, he's like stutter exactly. stepping for like two minutes. You're like, come on, throw the ball. I it's so it. great. And the oh, like the dude. diamond is oversized. And Bob Hoskins love- is a forgotten gem. And I he passed away a couple years ago. But I mean, Who Framed oh. Roger Rabbit and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, he is so, which we would <gasps> definitely do in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, of course it is. Oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't even remember that. Oh, that yeah. Dude, he's such so a good, good detail. But I love the catcher too. He has like this oversized yeah. like chest pad. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he, their their whole goal here is to steal the hook back, right? And the girl is going, and she's like, "This, uh, I, hey, I didn't come up with this word. I think this is what pirates called them. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it's like a like a pirate wench." And she's pirate like, wench. "I think it's still okay to say. I don't know. Don't go calling people wench in the middle of Walmart." But yeah, I think we're still okay to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, she might be credited as that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, false facts here. But she takes <laughs> off the hook, and you know, and I don't know. I think she's putting on a baseball glove or something. But she yeah. gets like kind of turned on by the hook, which I didn't even realize. And Peter goes up to try to steal it from this, you know, hook mantle that he has, and. uh while he's there, his son comes up to go bat and they're cheering him and they're saying, run home, Jack, run home, Jack, yeah. instead of saying home run, Jack. And that right there, he starts to remember Jack again, does. because he's Neverland's re- making you forget. So it's exactly. Triggering. Yeah. He's starting to, yeah, he's starting to forget. And all he remembers is how much he doesn't like his dad, I think, but he's starting to remember this sad moment too, where his dad wasn't there at the baseball yeah. game. And, you know, that being uh, said, Rob, guess who's watching a baseball game for the first time? That's right. Robin yep. Williams. Robin Williams is there watching and he sees his son rather than staying on objective and stealing the hook. He starts saying, come on, Jack, come on, Jack, you know, yeah. and he's getting pumped up. And of course, Jack knocks it literally out of the park. Such um, a cool he, scene. Such a cool. And it looks really good. And it's just super inspiring too. Yeah. this kid's fired up. He crushes the ball. He's running around all the bases and, you know, everyone's cheering for him. High fives. And you get to see kind of both dads in this moment, be proud of him. But, you know, his real dad kind of catching that moment too. And being like, yeah. what am I doing? I shouldn't be caring about seeing the hook. I should be there for my kids. 
you know, story-wise and, and like, just directing-wise, I felt like this scene was the pirate counter to the feast scene for some ways. Oh. Like, you get to see, like, a day in their life when they're having fun. Right. Uh, because otherwise, pirates are just pirates. They're, like, on the ship a lot and stuff. But this is, like, oh, this is probably <laughs> something that the pirates would kind of... Maybe they do plays. Maybe they do concerts. Maybe they... Because, like, they're forever right. existing. So they got to have... Find some fun. So when a kid comes in with a new game with new rules, they probably lose... Look how fast they made costumes in a day. They yeah. made uniforms for both teams, you know? Dude, uniforms, <laughs> signs, they had like flags, I think, like everything you could ever want for a baseball steals game. the base and they shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, oh, bad man. form? <laughs> I, good form, bad form. Every time I watch this movie, I walk around like talking to the dogs with like, hey, good form. I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To everything uh, that anybody does good. You know, the guy, yeah. the mailman puts the mailbox in. Good like, form. you put your mail in the mailbox perfectly. Good form. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just feel like this kind of counters the like when we see with the Neverland uh, with the Lost Boys and their feasts. Like I think they're two good set pieces to kind of show you a day in the life without Peter and and the kids in there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So well said. We then go to back to Peter's home, or he like figures out. This is the out this is the aha after, moment for Peter. Yeah. Right. Like the baseball hits him in the head and it falls in the water, and then he starts thinking back and re- remembering, I think, a little bit. And then he finds that secret door, right, to his so, house. So, yeah, uh, Peter's, this is the Peter's house. We find out the hook burnt it. But it's mm-hmm. also, when you think of, it's hard to not think of the Disney movie, guys, because uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of you didn't, including myself, read the actual Peter Pan book uh, by J.M. Barry. But There's a book? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Guess I'm challenging to next. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in the book or in the story, right, the original story, there is like this like hollowed out tree that they all sleep in and hang out in like their little home. And right. that's what he finds. So, again, to those reviewers that hate it, they're like everything's 90s. It's like, yeah, but that's an expansion to the original mm-hmm. home that has been burnt by Hook. And um, he's finding that and it has a lot of the old school knickknacks, including that teddy bear, which mm-hmm. I, they must have bought a duplicate because that teddy bear is in the house. You see oh. it in the first you see it in the early shots of the movie when they first show. Him nice like waking catch. up and he has, it's in the house. So they must have bought like a second one, you know, when they got back. Right. Or maybe that one is just pure imagination. True. In Ooh, the treehouse. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's pretty great. Yeah. He starts remembering where he came from. And it's funny, the like this part threw me off a tiny bit. It's not a criticism or anything, but he goes, and then I, you know, he's in the stroller next to his mom and they're like, maybe he can grow up to be a lawyer or a judge. And then the stroller kind of starts rolling down the hill. And while he's narrating this, he goes, and I decided to run away. I was yeah. like, did you decide to run away? Yeah. Or, or, did, the stroller decide that? <laughs> yeah, or did gravity, but uh, he, uh, you know, rolls down, he falls, you know, it, it tips over. He's in the rain and Tink comes and she holds that, that umbrella or I guess a leaf over his head. So it doesn't mm-hmm. rain on him. Yeah. She sprinkles a little fairy dust and whisks him away to Neverland. Two questions. Thought... I got a couple questions for you. So sure. first off, so he must've grown from baby to Peter Pan age at some point in Neverland, which you're not supposed to be able to grow at all. So right. A bit of well, a loop, yeah. a bit of a plot you... hole there. Sure. Oh, good point. Do you think when he was visiting, do you think he visited anybody else? Cause he starts saying, I started visiting houses where the doors were never closed or the windows were never shut. And and he could have been doing that like literally. Well, no, I mean because the mom looked it. like she was from eighteen hundreds, so right. she's he only probably like a while though. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a point where he aged enough, right, to where he's right. at that age. Sure. The second thing. Now, this is something I've been wondering for a while here. His dad. His we find out his dad is a lawyer, which we know Peter Pan becomes, or Peter Banning becomes a lawyer. Right. Um, and later on, when Maggie Smith is asking. What is your dad doing? And the kid's excited to tell him, like, oh, he goes in and he bombs companies out of the water. 
mm-hmm. she says, oh, you became a pirate. So my question oh. to you is, why did Peter Pan become a modern-day pirate? Do you think it's because, although his memories were forgotten, internally he thought, like, well, if you're an adult, you're a pirate? Do you think maybe he kind of just associated the two together, and so he, when he grew up, he knew to always be a pirate? Man, is there a nail sticking out some wood? Because I think you just nailed it. <laughs> like, that was, yeah, I mean, 100%. While you're even describing it, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean... That's the whole thing about growing up. Do you want to be this grown up adult and kind of be scummy and kind of evil? And that's how he associates adults. It's the only or adult that he be, knew for so long, you know? Yeah. Or do you want to be this kid who gets to play and stay with his friends forever and never grow up? And yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it. Okay. That's, yeah. It just always bugged me because I'm always, well, not always bugged me, but I always was wondering, like, he sees other examples of adulthood, including Wendy at the time when he decides to stay. And right. yet he still became this aggressive businessman. And then it's like, oh, yeah, because you became what you always knew adults would be pirates. Mm-hmm. And so totally. I just thought that was interesting, you know, and we're seeing it here. No, I think that's such a great point. And yeah, I, it's hard for me to disagree with that. So we go from there to he starts training or he like realizes is this wait before I go. This is where he starts to realize point. his happy place. Yes, that's what it is, right? And what was his was his happy place? Or his happy thought is his, being when a his dad. His son was born. Yeah. Yes. And she's like, "You're you're a father now, Peter." Moira's telling Peter this, mm-hmm. and yeah, he you know it gets out of that dream montage, and he's up inside the room, and he's floating off the ground, and he's like, "That's my happy thought. I did it. I did it." He, then he gets, he starts flying around and it's the best. It's another fantastic scene in this movie yeah. where he's going so around. He's joyous. Flipping, so joyous. And he's swimming through the air and yeah. he's flipping and doing dunks. And, and it's like Robin Williams for a lot of this, which I loved. I was like, man, he was strong. And yeah. he had this amazing way of doing physical comedy as well. And just acting out joy. Like it was purely ripped from a cartoon into live action. And Robin Williams is doing it. Yeah. And that was all <laughs> so good. He also starts. I think he pulls out the sword here, or is this the point where so, some part? So he's so he's flying around. The kids are now fully. I mean, everybody who had doubts don't have doubts anymore. He right. lands. I'm going to try to go a little bit quicker because we're at 45 minutes already. It's Ooh, ridiculous. Baby, we got move. I know. So he lands, and one of like it gives me goosebumps today when I watch this movie. Still, mm-hmm. uh, he lands, and Rufio brings him the sword, kneels down, and gives him the sword, and then right. he takes the sword and. Rufio says, you know, this line of basically you could fly, you could do, but can you crow? You can fly, you can fight, and you can like a beast which i guess is Peter Pan calling guard and Mm -hmm. they crow at each other and there's like this kneeling to each other and i just think that like that's such a good example for adults today where rufio knows that he has to step back he knows that he lost this and i'm not trying to associate this with anything particular but you know he knows that he's not right let's go with that and Mm -hmm. peter pan is right and they both respect each other so freaking much and they go work together i just like that scene is so powerful it's just really really cool yeah, it's like when two enemies become friends and then they partner up and you're like, nothing can stop this partnership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just want to quickly go, Tink grows big. 
now and all she wants to do is give peter a kiss how do this you feel scene about is that boring <laughs> or, yeah. when you're it's watching just, it as a kid you're like ew gross kissing let's go on and then as an adult you're like right. eh. <laughs> it, it, it's also weird i don't know it's weird she gets her one wish she kisses him and then she's later small again i don't know it, that scene always just kind of sticks out to me as being a little out of place yeah but maybe it's because julia roberts didn't want to just be behind a green screen the whole time yeah so. that's, that, i think that's her only scene with other people because right. all the time she was on green screens. That's the only time she was with anybody is with Robin Williams. Yeah. Well, there you go. She fought for it. Got it. Yeah. A fight breaks out now on the pirate ship and it's an all out battle. Peter is doing, he's, he's doing the most. He's the man. Uh, yeah. He bangerangs. The rest of the Lost Boys come in in like the coolest armor and this like sweet little rowboat, almost like powered it boat looks thing so that they make. Cool. I just wanted to play. So like, cool. didn't you just want to just like join them and play in this like big paintball tournament they were having basically? Yes. I wanted so the guns. Cool. I wanted like the, the crossbow uh, paint things. I wanted the trebuchet stuff. Yeah. Uh, there were uh, a lot of swords, but nobody died in this entire freaking movie. So I, yeah, <laughs> I think only Peter killed people, but there was oh, no yeah, blood, there's one person is... that died. Actually, we do. Uh, I do want to talk about that actually. Oh, yes. Me. All out, but so cool. All the Lost Boys are kicking ass. The pirates are going down. Cool, colorful battle, bombastic, if you will. Yeah. And then it gets down to the moment where Peter is about to fight Hook, but it's like Peter, Hook, and then Rufio joins. But yeah. then they see the kids are in danger. So Peter yeah. has to make the choice between his kids or fighting Hook. He chooses his kids. And and, and the master manipulator steps in. So. This entire movie, this entire time, right? Hook's idea is like, I will get the kids to stick by my side. And we see mm-hmm. it through like this little fake school he's doing, uh, throw, showing the clocks, the baseball game. Right. He's not so successful with the daughter, Maggie, but he's very good with Jack. And mm. basically good manipulating point. Jack into thinking like, your father never loved you. He never cared about you. But here you can right. find a home and you could be loved. And of course, yep. Jack, of course, Hook is freaking lying through his teeth, but he's very mm-hmm. good at manipulating. And here we see his... This is probably his greatest skill, and people don't even think about it often. Rufio is a great fighter, but he's baited here. He's manipulated yes. with the slow Rufio, Rufio, that Dustin oh. Hoffman says. And it's almost like it's like it's pulling him into this fight that he just shouldn't be involved with. His army needs him. He's a leader. And right. yet he's being pulled in and manipulated by Hook right here into a fight. And, he, and, Ruf, and if Rufio goes down, it's all on Peter to lead this war. So... Uh, That's right. Hook is very good at being a bad guy. Rufio. Rufio. No! The old man is mine. You're so right about that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, we get the awesome thud uh, turning into a cannonball, knocking people <laughs> over. I love that. I, yeah. yeah, it's it's great. It's, you He's can so tell flexible. it's like fake. And matter of fact, I've seen that ball. is It was for sale on eBay at one point. Like, there was a big deal. Because <laughs> really? it's like a big ball. They just like dressed up like him and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Okay. I win the lottery. You know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, now Peter catches Rufio. He unfortunately gets stabbed. He says to Peter, all I've ever wanted is a father like you, which was in the fields. So in the fields, I was like, I kept thinking, man, how awesome would it have been to be that kid? But and not not to die, but just to be that moment and have that impactful of a scene in this this movie with legends like Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. 
Oh God, so the cool. MCU, which which I want to talk about that later. Oh, we are going to be so long in the tooth on this one. That's okay. Uh, the <laughs> MCU, I think, should learn from this because I mean, like Iron Man's death sure was impactful, but I mean, the way they like shut the music off, the way they cut out everything else, and like it took this giant war and narrowed it down to two people. That right. was masterfully done, and you felt the impact of this. I think they moved on too quickly because right away he's like smiling and taking his kid away because Jack, yes, or, yes. Jack's like, hey, I'm cool to go now, and they just like right. leave Rufio's body it, there. Yes, but still, nevertheless. Um, that was pretty yeah. impactful. That was that was cool. Super impactful. You and, get and the fight. It's me, by the oh, way. Yes. I just want to throw this out there because I love Smee. Smee's cashing out his four hundred one k at this point. He is, <laughs> yeah. He is filling yeah, his yeah, pants yeah. up with a bunch of gold from the because he's like, no, nah, Lost Boys got this. I'm gonna go get rich well, real quick. Yeah, he goes, Smee, it's me, it's me. Yeah. And then like you realize, it's, oh, it's about me. It's time to get mine. Yeah, that was great. So the battle breaks out. Uh, Peter Pan is now fighting Hook all through the city. They, you know, are in this epic battle. Yeah. Peter actually bests him at one point and he decides to give him back his sword. Good form. Which, yeah, good form. They continue on again. They kind of get to the town square where the crocodile is in that pillar structure, yeah. holding the clock in its mouth. And then this again, entire they fight. time before we get into this, the next part, because that I definitely want to talk about that as well. Right. This fight, I think, could be a stage play. I think it could. Oh, if they yeah. ever want to make this a play, like this fight was destined for it. Even that part where he's holding him down and like the hook is sparking on the on the grinder. I was like, right. how play is this? Like that would be such a good scene. <laughs> yes. So I, I would yes. like to see a, an actual play version of this this movie. I think it would be very good. Oh, 100 percent. They are now fighting near the crocodile, and Robin is pressed up against it, and Hook is now about to deal the final blow. And kind of get him with the hook. Peter Pan, at the last moment, dodges out of the way. Throws the hook into the stomach of the crocodile. And all this gas kind of releases, which I'm like, it's, I don't know. I still understand that. But I don't it's either. great. Yeah. It's great cinematically. It looks awesome. And uh, Peter then jumps out of the way. And I think the clock falls out. Yeah. And Hook then trips over it as he is He's backing, backing up. Away. Yeah. And then, of course, the two pillars fall off the sides from the crocodile. It then starts falling over and perfectly in the mouth, hook lands and basically is swallowed up in that moment. Is the crocodile alive or dead? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know either. I've watched this movie, I'm telling you, maybe hundreds of times. I've seen this movie countless times. I couldn't right. tell you if that damn thing's because obviously when the hook goes through him, it's like a stuffed or whatever, a Turk, whatever, dead crocodile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it swallowed him and burped. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 exactly. And you looked like down, they looked down at him too. It's like, what? <laughs> I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I was alive at that one last moment to be like, F you, got you. Yeah. And then, then done. And then, so, yeah, there's so many questions. Like, could they not just like keep hooking him and then get him out of there? If, if whatever. I would, th- right. I think, I think hook is still alive. <laughs> Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so we then get that sweet moment between Peter and his kids now where you could tell, like, we got to go back. I got you. Like, I remember being a dad. I love you guys. And then we get one of the, also one of my favorite scenes, which I'm not sure yeah. if you have the fun fact about this. Do the, scene. do the fun fact for this one. I didn't bother writing it down because I knew you knew it. So. Oh, yeah, baby. So the fun fact for this is Peter then has to decide who he's going to pass on the leadership role and yeah. the sword to. And so he's. All the Lost Boys are lined up and he's holding the sword and he's going and they're showing each kid's face one by one as they look at the sword. And he goes left. 
uh, yeah, left, then back, right, then left again, and stops at Thud and presents the sword. Yeah. And you can just see pure joy and amazement in Thud's face. Oh Disappointment my God, on other kids, it. but joy yeah, on Thud's. <laughs> yeah, but they're also kind of like, wow, that's yeah, you know, pretty it's cool. It's magical. And what's amazing about this scene, and we talked about this in Fun Fact, or like we were talking about this offline, which was none of the kids knew who was going to be presented the sword or the leadership role. The only people on set who knew were Robin Williams and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And so that reaction from the kids is purely genuine and they are actually excited and surprised by it. Such a great scene. Shout out to Thud then because man, that, that, that was really great acting there. It was really great reaction. Not even acting. That's the point of it. But I was Mm -hmm. like, you just see him light up and I was like, Oh man, I'm so happy for you. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's top three actors in here. And like Rufio, for me, he, it's a fight for third, but he almost gets fourth behind Thud because he just has these great moments in it. Uh, but we now are going back to the real world. Yeah. And the kids, Moira comes in and, and is, oh, you know, I had a dream that the kids were back. And of course, they pop out of their beds in the house. And then Peter, she's ecstatic. And then Peter wakes up underneath a statue, a statue in the snow back in his suit and there is Smee there kind of swiping up the snow. He's like, wife, wife kicked you out last night, huh? Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah Peter realizes, okay, I got to get back home. Um, so a couple things here, uh, you know, we see that basically, you know, Hey, here's, here's your marbles back. He flies off. That's good. It's a happy right. ending all around. Um, oh yeah. I got a couple questions for you. First off, uh, this, the theme of this thing, I think is having belief in something, right? Believing right. in childhood, believing in magic and stuff like that. I can't think of any recent movies where they have like such a just a wholesome theme. Something that's like, this isn't going to hurt anybody's feelings kind of thing like that. I think this is just a nice, wholesome theme. Right. Uh, do, can you think of any other movie that would have something other than like a Christmas movie? I think Christmas movies have these pretty normally, but this is just like, believe in something more than than what you see. I don't know. No, I think it's such a great question. And you're right. I can't think of anything in recent years that is just so, so wholesome and so concentrated on where the bad is like you know the bad is implemented in hook and obviously the beginning you know we get to see in peter batting that he has some of these tendencies he become that which he did not never wanted to become Mm -hmm. and but then we concentrate all the villainy and all the bad just on hook and smee and the pirates and then once they're away from neverland they don't have that anymore so no you know and and that's that's kind of sad. I, you know, maybe I'm missing the ball. If you guys have any recommendations on something like it, maybe people are going to be like Paddington too, but I haven't seen that yet. So that's probably another, uh, you know, challenge accepted mm-hmm. episode, but, uh, on no, that note, what about you? When you guys are asking, I don't, I can't think of anything else, but, but also I want to know this. And this could be because I don't have any kids. I got nephews and nieces, but I don't care what they watch. Likewise. <laughs> um, so I, the quality of this family movie, it's, it's less of a kid's movie, more of a family movie. I mean, right. is unparalleled compared to today. They built entire sets for this thing. And nowadays, mm-hmm. like I would say Marvel's probably our biggest family movie maker, really. Um, and, and I'm not bad-mouthing MCU. Geek Freak's entire network is built on it. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I mean, it's, it's pretty cookie-cutter, right? There's a lot of CGI, and it's a lot of the same story. Not not right. it again. But can you think of anything, any family movie, original story even, that's just like so freaking well done and well-produced? A weird one, like you're talking about recently, because one yeah, that's recently. just popping in my head. Or, or even if you could give another example of this happening in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, for some reason, Homeward Bound came into my head. 
Yeah, like that's, that a, one. that's a good one. That's a grand adventure. They had to do a lot of filming on set and stuff like that for that one. Yeah, and, but you know, nothing live action. I think the closest thing for me that kind of fills that void is like Into the Spider-Verse, but it's not live action. That's the thing. Yeah, everything, I've seen some really creative original works, you know, to a degree, even Into the spider but that's all animated. It's a lot right. easier to do that with that. But I'm, I'm, I'm like building a huge set like this. If you look at like Jumanji, which again, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. but I mean, Jumanji is another good example of this, right? Where oh, they yeah. use more CGI in that, but they used, they, they put a lot of money into that movie and stuff like that. And I just right. don't think we have much of that nowadays. And that's too bad. It, it's Even if you compare the, the two kinds of Jumanji movies, the newer Jumanji movie is, you know, it feels cheaper in a way than the, than the right. other one. It, it, yeah, they were going for the laughs, and I think yeah. at the expense of sometimes they're kind of cheap laughs, yeah. rather than having heart and story and just having a truly, genuinely funny dialogue and character. And a good adventure. And, like, even if you look at, not to adventure. interrupt you again, but like Indiana Jones now compared to what we're going to get with Indiana Jones soon, which I look forward to doing Indiana Jones, but right. I, I know it's not going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it's just a fun adventure, fighting Nazis mm-hmm. and discovering treasure. It's going to be right. something where there's going to be a joke every third line. You know, we're going to see a lot of repeated right. stories, a lot of references to the old movies. It's not going to be anything new or just straight up fun. You know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Original stories and genuine laughs with heart and everything. It seems like it's slipping a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. And I don't think movies nowadays are as honest as this movie is where it's like, yeah, that's the bad guy. That's it. There's no other question about it. That's the bad guy. And right. nowadays, like that. we would make a, which I do compliment it oftentimes on other podcasts. The fact that mm-hmm. villains are now not necessarily black and white. They're a little gray. That's fun. But we nowadays, yeah. it feels like they wouldn't they would they would undercut it a lot. And there would be a lot of mm-hmm. meta jokes. You know, it's nothing as honest right. as that. I, I kind of want in at least in some of these future MCU, MCU shows, movies is a villain who's just evil. Like, just give me an evil villain. Like, and they used I, to. I Iron Man 1. Gray. We all knew who the bad yep. guy was. Yeah. Exactly. Or Captain America First Avenger. Yeah. That one. Red just, Skull. You, nobody's Red saying Skull. Red Skull might guy. have some good ideas, guys. No, nobody's saying <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, you might have a point here. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't need that. I just want a villain. And I, I love that about this movie, too. It's just very simple and clean. And it just it lets it be what it is. Yeah. Right. All right. Uh, you uh, have any more points facts. you want to make sure to mention there? We're going to go into right into fun facts. Well, let's do it. Let's do some fun facts. All right. Let's go into our fun facts here. I got some for you. These are all from IMDb, of course, so check that out. This particular movie has a dense library of fun facts. So these are just a piece of it. So please check out IMDb. First up. Let's hit the top hits. When the Bannings family fly into England, the pilot's voice that is on the intercom is actually Dustin Hoffman saying, this is your captain speaking. Yeah. I love that. I actually saw that one too. Yeah. That is such a good full loop right there. Yeah. Uh, the kissing couple on the bridge that begin to float when uh, the fairy dust lands on them is actually George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. They're making what? a cameo. Yep. That's why <laughs> and how and awesome. George Lucas is uh, just Steven Spielberg's like best friend. And Carrie Fisher, of course, worked with Lucas, of course, but also mm-hmm. did some after writing on this, unaccredited writing on this. She was. She came in and gave wow. Tinkerbell's lines more of a feminine voice. So. Oh, wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Did not know that. Dame Maggie Smith plays fifty six. Was fifty six when she filmed this, and they aged her up to ninety two. Because of this, I think she's aged. I I love her in Downton Abbey, and um, she always seemed like an old woman to me. And it's because they aged her up <laughs> right. in the thing that I've recognized her from the most. 
Right. Yeah. My wife goes, why is Professor McGonagall older oh, yeah. in this than in Harry Potter? Yeah. She's like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. That movie was like 30, 20 years, 30 years later. And she looks <laughs> older in this than she does in Harry Potter. Bob Hoskins, who's a freaking G, he plays me in this. And of course, he's, he's in a bunch of other stuff, too. We got to do Who Framed Our Rabbit pretty soon because I freaking love that movie, too. Done and done. He bought beer for over 300 plus extras uh, when it was a long cut uh, filming day. So he's like, you know what? It's a long day. I'm buying beer for all the extras. So oh my whenever, gosh. Like, when you saw that big battle scene or whatever, Smeet, he was collecting that treasure for a reason. He was buying beer for everybody after work. Oh my gosh, what a hero. Yeah, and also Bob uh, Hoskins, same thing, uh, would elevate the stress on set by singing various versions of Lionel Richie's Hello. Uh, Like, hello, is it me you're looking for? Like that one. He would say, hello, is it me you're looking for? He would always do like, he would just be singing around on set, just being a clown (laughs) on set to make people a little bit happier. Oh my gosh, that's great. A writer, James V. Hart, he's the writer that, you know, made the movie here. Uh, he credits the inspiration for this movie when his son asked him after telling him the Peter Pan story, whatever happened to Peter Pan when he grew up, when he grew up. And so he's like, I don't know. Let me make a story for it. And that's what this movie was. Wow. Yeah. So, man, why, why can't they do that with other movies? I know, right? I just do that with a few other ones. I would love that. Um, okay. Uh, I've got four more. And then one of them is a pretty big one. So here we go. Uh, in this movie, it is explained that Toodles lives with Wendy because Wendy ha- doesn't have the heart to put him in a home. But in the original draft of the play, Toodles got married to Wendy and they were grew up together. So uh, that's Nor- okay. that's originally her husband. Okay, that's I uh, even watching it back this time I still didn't understand what the relationship was. So yeah. thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> uh the word bangerang is actually Jamaican slang for uproar, disorder, or disturbance. So it's like yeah, man, I yeah. love that. Sorry, this I don't know a, if that's offensive. But it just felt right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, two more. Here we go. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll throw a third fast one. Uh, the line spoken by Rufio, Dante Brasco, uh, you're dead, jolly man, was actually spoken backwards because they needed the knife, the sword to go away from Robin Williams' neck. So he actually said the line, Nami Lad, I heed ye you, or whatever, and then backwards was, you're dead, man. You're dead, jolly man. So he actually wow. had to say it backwards. That makes sense, because it kind of comes across a little weird, and that makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, David Bowie was the original Captain James Hook, but he turned it down. Oh, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Watch Labyrinth, guys. He's a good villain. <laughs> he is the baby. Yeah, this is the la- nice. This is the last last <laughs> one. It's kind of a thick one. So uh, Dustin Hoffman's former co-star, John Voight, asked him if he could bring this kids, James Haven and Angelina Jolie to to the set because he was they were dying to meet Captain Hook. Hoffman agreed to meet them while in costume. Jolene was 16 years old and Hoffman described her as a tall, thin, gawky looking girl with a mouthful of braces. After Jolene told Hoffman <laughs> she was going to be an actress and Hoffman went home and told his wife, I don't think this kid has any idea what a tough road she's got ahead of her. Nearly 20 mm-hmm. years later, their paths meet again as they were voices of Master Shifu and the Tigress in Kung Fu Panda, the trilogy of films. Wow. It's funny to think that he's like, oh, it's my friend's kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Good luck, kid. You will never make it in Hollywood. Yeah. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a freaking icon. Oh, yeah. Seriously. I watched this film as a children and could always remember it being utterly bewildered. I was by its, especially in contrast to its impressive Disney fight adaptation of Peter, F- Peter Pan. It was darker and stranger, made little sense to me. 
I guess I just thought I was missing something. 12 years later, I still don't understand this simply because there is nothing to be understand about it. It's hideously self-indulgent mess of a film, incoherently structured, one dismally and uh, superficially characterized, blah, 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 blah. It's super ugly. What do you think about that review? I'm trying to think of like what Steven Spielberg did to this guy <laughs> yeah. or gal. I like did Spiel- they, yeah, like, he went to the park and like kicked his kids off the, your, the slide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, seriously, to steal your cab in New York City, or did you like see them spit out gum and you stepped in it? Like, what are you? I adamantly disagree with that. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, we've discovered so many things that do make sense in this. So wrong. Yeah. Here's another one. This movie is absolutely horrible. Everyone is cast wrong, which blows my mind. The acting is poor. <laughs> I hate all the characters in this film. The script is completely stupid, and every single portion of dialogue is terrible. Okay. Every single part of every single aspect of this cheesy and stupid bad, if I am to be used at negative 10 to 10 scale, this film would probably be worthy of a perfect negative 10. <laughs> Jeez. All right. All right. Well, so I think Robin uh, Williams probably did a hit and run on this guy's dog. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He, like, I don't know, made a joke about somebody in this guy's family, and the guy took it home. He's like, okay, whatever Robin Williams does, I'm writing a negative review for it. <laughs> Da-da-da-da-da-da. Every 10 years, I'll come back and write a negative review. <laughs> oh, man. Here's, here's one more, okay? And this one actually comes through a lot on these things. One of the best main points that uh, Barry stresses in his Peter Pan is that childhood is special time, but eventually comes to a time when everybody needs to grow up. Um, basically he says at the end of Barry's play, Wendy cannot return to Neverland, even though she would like to, because Neverland is reserved for children. This film is is typical of the selfishness of many of the boomer generation. They steal the specialness of childhood, childhood, thank you, from their children by refusing (sighs) to give it up to them. So basically it's saying that it shouldn't be about you wanting to become a kid again. It should be that you can't be a kid again. You have to stay an adult. Which that takes away all uh, the magic. <laughs> Why would you want to do wow, that? What a cynical way to look at this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody, I, I feel like that person's father was like, you got to grow up. Like, stop acting like a kid. Yeah. You know, and, and I disagree. I mean, I think there's so much beauty and awesome and joy in life from looking at things like a child. That's kind of why people have kids sometimes is that they could go back to playing or seeing things when they were younger the way they did back then and just enjoy it. So, uh, disagree, disagree, disagree. Yeah. So in general, I was pretty surprised by the reviews for this thing. Cause I'm not going to give it numbers, but basically this thing is a nearly perfect movie for me, but I know there's some nostalgia yeah. at play. Right. But when you look at like totally. the meta score is 52 on this thing, the tomato critic score is 29 and IMDb has it at 66.8. So I'm like, I just can't believe that. Like that's so nuts. But when, when you look through the reviews, there are a lot of people thinking like, oh, it's not truthful to the Peter Pan stories. Like, yeah, it's not the Peter Pan story. It's a sequel to right. it, if anything. Yes. And and a lot yeah, of people I, that are like mad that it doesn't follow the Disney thing. It's like, it's not a Disney movie. There's so many like misunderstood critiques in this, I think. Yeah. What's like the opposite of a review bomb? Because that's what I want to yeah. do for this. I like, refuse it's a, to stumble. It's so much joy. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, I, you know, we've talked about how we don't have kids. I don't have kids. And one day I'm like, I want to show them this, Absolutely, you know, it's yeah. like you, there's room to do both. And I think that's what Peter learns at the end, right? Like there's business and he has to take care of it. And he was there for a specific reason, but you can't neglect your family and neglect the things in your life that made you happy. And a lot of that you remember from being a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's great about this. movie. 
All right, yeah, I, I think this movie's excellent, and I can't suggest it enough to you guys. Personally, I think it's really good. To me, it goes in my Hall of Fame of 90s movies for sure, alongside, like, Jurassic Park and stuff. Um, yeah. Which, if, if I'm saying it's next to Jurassic Park, you know that's something. And um, <laughs> if for some reason you haven't seen it, please watch it. Let us know what you guys... Head to our Twitter and let us know what you guys think of this movie. That's really good. Absolutely. Let us know your favorite parts, too. Like, whatever yeah. really stuck out to you and you're like, man, this was so great, or something we didn't touch on, let us know that as well, because yeah. I'm all leaves. Yeah. Uh, what is our next movie? You got to challenge me now. I challenge you to hook. Yeah, so I got a challenge for you. Because this movie came out in January, and before we wrap up January, I wanted to kind of drop a little january explosion and there's been a lot of news around this guy which is matt reeves so i want to challenge you to watch the original cloverfield oh man i'm looking forward to it me too i haven't watched it in so long and i remember yeah. like i was like wait all this is shot through a video camera this is so dumb and then walking out of the movie and thinking no you know what that was pretty good that was pretty cool i want to see more of this same exact thing for me but i don't think i've seen it since then yeah so. likewise yeah all right, and I love the sequel to it. We'll have to talk about that a little bit while we're talking about this because I love the sequel to Cloverfield. Wow, you just gave me extra homework uh-huh. because I don't know if I watched that too. <laughs> All right, well, well, don't do that. Maybe I'll challenge it to you sometime. So don't watch the sequel yet. We'll talk about Alrighty. it. Alrighty. All right, guys. We'll see you guys for the last of us. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. Thanks. Bye.